Alrighty, everybody, welcome to the Family Business Podcast. I'm your host, Kobe, here today with my dad, Ryan, and my little brother, Gray. I'm here on the Family Business Podcast. We just like to talk business. We do it anyways. And so we decided to, hey, why not start a podcast and, and talk about it together? And it seems like kind of all of our family has the entrepreneur mindset. So <laughs> we decided we're going to kind of one by one bring people on, bring my siblings on, um, and just kind of chat with them, see it's kind of fun with Gray. He, you know, we hear stories about him talking about business ideas with his friends at his friends' houses and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so he's always talking to me about ideas, and and so we're excited. It's going to be kind of fun. But this is episode four. Um, and I think yeah. it's five. Is it five? Yeah. Last week we said three, but I looked and it was our fourth. Was it? Yeah. Okay. So I guess this is episode five. Then. Episode five. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and just uh, as a matter of background here, Kobe is my oldest child, firstborn, um, and we have three daughters after Kobe, and then Gray is our fifth. So we have five kids, book in boys, and uh, and we got our little buddy Gray. He's the youngest. It's kind of crazy to watch your kids become old and look in the mirror and become an old man, but Kobe's an adult. Gray's our youngest at 12, so kind of kind of wild, but yep. that'll he's be... Still, uh, he's still short. Still short. Still short. His favorite thing to do is talk about how much taller he is than everybody, but he's the shortest one in the family still. <laughs> Every time I walk in the house, he he's like, Kobe, you're short. And I'm like, dude, I'm looking down at you. What are you talking about? <laughs> Which We like to tease him. Yeah. He's kind of the, he gets bullied a little bit, huh? A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> so tell us, Gray, what it's like being in a family that is always talking business. You don't know any difference, do you? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) What's your What's your favorite thing to talk about? Video games. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say he always talks Rocket League, right? Minecraft. Yep. uh, Roblox. Which I speak the Minecraft language. Fortnite. I'm a a Minecraft nerd, but all the other ones, it's I'm like, what are you talking about, man? I have no idea, but he loves it, and he's super good at Rocket League. Yeah. It's kind of shockingly good, actually. Kind of shockingly good, yeah. You watch him play, and you're like, what? You're like, what the fetch? How is he doing that? Like, I know. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Rocket <laughs> League, for anybody out there that doesn't know, it's like cars that fly around. It's a it's a very popular game, so most people yeah. know what it is. But it's cars playing soccer, and you have to like get the angles perfect, and like it's tricky. And it's in kind of an arena that has a roof, and it has walls, so the ball bounces it's off. It's car soccer. It's car soccer, but yeah. they're like rocket cars. But like so indoor soccer. 750 hours, you should be pretty good at least. Yeah, that's, that's all you've played is 750. <laughs> this is a failure of a parent right here. <laughs> I probably, I probably have thousands of hours on Minecraft, though, over yeah. the years. Yeah, me too, probably, <laughs> unfortunately. Pretty easily. Yeah. Well, now my parenting skills are on full display. Yeah. Let our kids play video games way too much. but so. So, Gray, uh, obviously you like video games. Um, what are some of your other favorite businesses or brands that you're aware of? I know one thing that we've talked about a little bit is you've talked about doing getting into mowing lawns, which is kind of how I my introduction mm-hmm. to entrepreneurship and, like, owning my own business was I mowed lawns for, you know, almost yeah. – nine years, I think it was pretty darn close. I think it was eight or nine years and, you know, did it with some buddies and we built it up to where we made enough money, way more money than our friends in the summer. You know, it sucked in the moment, you know, on a Saturday when you got to go mow a lawn and it's a hundred degrees outside, but you go out and you make your money and it's not very significant money to an adult, but as a kid, like that was substantial. And I was able to 
buy things I wanted, buy candy, buy all that. So, you know, just mm-hmm. be an idiot as a kid, ride my bike to Smith's and go buy some sodas. <laughs> and, you know, so, but we've kind of chatted about that. And I know you're kind of planning, kind of formulating a business plan yeah, in your with head. Yeah, my buddy. Yeah. So tell us more about that. What's kind of your, do you have any ideas or? Um, well, I don't know. Maybe just get like two or three lawns. Two or three. Just try and finish them pretty fast because we still want to do other stuff, of course. But sure. Still got to have fun. You're a uh-huh. kid, right? How are you planning on getting those getting those lawns? Are you going to go flyer? Are you going to go I knock on doors? You fully, don't know yet? We haven't fully talked about it. Haven't figured it out. So you got to think about having a good plan, but then you also got to market it, right? So you got to get out and tell people about it. So People got to figure out who you are. And that was kind of the way that I did it as I just went and knocked doors. Me and my buddies, you know, we'd... And How old were you? I think we were, the first time we did it, probably thir- 14, yeah. maybe 15. I think we started doing it more heavily once we got a car. Like once we were able to drive yeah. and had licenses, we could pull our trailer around and stuff like that. So, Well, you had we our lawn from probably heavily. a little earlier. And then um, a guy we know, Howard. Yep. He, well, he came up to us in church, actually, and he was like, mm-hmm. hey, do you want a job? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, sure. What? What yeah. is it? And He's like, I want you to mow my lawn. And so I'd Perfect. ride my bike up to his, and I think I was 11 when I started doing that. But I would ride my bike up every week, yeah. and then he actually showed me. He was like, hey, you can turn this into a business. And I remember he took me in his van up on the hill. Um, if you're not familiar with North Ogden, there's like a very fancy neighborhood up on the yeah. hill. And and uh, he took me up to like one of the biggest houses up there, and he's like, this guy started mowing lawns. Yeah. And now he runs a full-blown landscaping company. Yep. And it was kind of cool. It just opened my eyes. Yeah. But um, I think it'd be a good idea for you and a good way for you to make money and buy the things that you want, you know, games and whatever, V-Bucks and all that stuff. You know, it just gives you it gives you play money. It's kind of cool. So, But I think that's awesome that you and Everett are talking about that and wanting to do it. I don't know. He's a little lazy, so I don't know if it's going to happen with him. Maybe not with him. If not, then I'll just do it by myself. you got to be right. willing to get to work on your own. Mm-hmm. You're not always going to have somebody to do it with. Well, and eventually you might find someone that you want to help, but I mean, you can do really well just on your own, you know, make more money that way. So you don't have to mow quite as many lawns, but we actually talked last week, I think it was last week about failures Mm -hmm. and Kobe talked about getting fired from uh, one of his landscaping jobs. And so one of the things we'll want to talk about is just quality, you know, making sure you're doing a good job. You're showing up when you say you're going to show up, you do the things you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it and in the best quality that you can provide. And if you have that, it doesn't mean you won't make mistakes because even still just recently, like we had somebody that we were doing some advertising um, things for and we just didn't deliver yeah. and, and I knew it. And so I gave him some money back and I was like, hey, look, we're gonna make this right. But then I can say, okay, what systems do I need to change? Like one of the things that you had to change was just showing up when you said, because right. Kobe went to the lake instead of going to this guy's house. So, <laughs> and so he fired me and he fired him because he had to take time off work. He had to, you know, adjust his schedule to make sure he was there. So and I so, could get paid. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and when I wasn't you, showing up. Right. When you uh, make things so difficult for the homeowner that they're just like, this is not worth it. This is not right. worth my time. He fired Kobe. It was actually one of the great lessons for Kobe is, yeah. is it helped him realize that you can't treat people that way. It's not good customer service. So, so anyway, it's, it's, there's multiple pieces to any business. One, you have an idea Two, you have to fulfill that idea, right? You have to actually do, have the ability, like in your case, you can borrow my lawnmower, right? And my trimmer. 
um, but you have to be able to fulfill on that. And Kobe used our lawnmower and trimmer for many years. Yep. Actually, interestingly, wore it out. Like literally yeah. wore. The, I'd never seen that on a lawnmower. I'm like, man, that thing's not that old. But it, was it had a like Honda ball mower too. It tires was like, and yeah. It was like a heavy duty mower. It was no joke. No, like, it wasn't just some cheap. Yeah. You know. And he full on wore. What was the most yard lawns you did in a? Do you in remember? Summer. Yeah. I think our highest number that we got to was like 34 or 35 lawns a week. Um, That's a lot. And that was with two people. Yeah. But we were also going to. You know, we had school in the. And sometimes in the spring, I mean, it yeah. just depends on the weather here, yeah. but then in the fall, for sure, you know, we have school and so sure. we'd get done with school and we'd have four or five lawns to mow right after every school day. every single day. So we'd be mowing until dark and then yeah. you come home and repeat, go to school the next but day. But truthfully, you had more money than most your friends for and sure. you had, uh, you know, the ability to pay for gas and pay for treats and yep. go to the movies and things like that. It's definitely, and I, and I mowed lawns when I was young too. In fact, I was mowing my parents' lawn. And the next door neighbor was like, hey, can you mow my lawn? I was like, okay, sure. So I started right. mowing their lawn just right next door. I just did them all together. And then, um, and this was in Las Vegas. You think you had it hot, I'll tell right. you. <laughs> As a kid, I never noticed. I just was hot, right. you know, but. Um, You're sweating. And then one day this guy drove by and he was, uh, he's a single guy. He's in really good shape, but he's probably my age now. And uh, I just remember him, hey, do you uh, mow other people's lawns? And I'm like, yeah, this is my neighbor. I live over there. And, yeah. and he's like, here's my address. This was back, you know, in the 80s and a little different time than today. But he was like, here's my address. Come over to my house. And so I told my mom and she's like, OK, I'll go with you. And so she went with me over to his house and he had a massive, massive yard. And he's like, I just need someone to come mow this every week and I'll pay you 25 bucks, which Back in the 80s, I got to be honest, that was a crap ton of money. That's, yeah. It was like, whoa, you know, today that lawn probably would be 75 bucks right. to mow, but it was, you know, not the same time. So, so my mom felt good about it. I felt good about it. This guy was so cool. Like he was single. Um, so he had kind of a bachelor's lifestyle. He had these sand rails. He had two of them and they're these like dune buggies, if you will, that have these massive tires on them with the big paddles and they can ride in the sand dunes and go really fast. He, he uh, ran them on pure alcohol or something like that. Like pure ethanol, ethanol. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know like what that. it was. It was like, yeah, very expensive gas. One time, um, he, he wasn't around and this was pre cell phone era and I was trying to figure it out. And so I, he had gas tank tanks on the front of the trailer of his sand rails and so i put it in the mower and man that mower ran so hot and i was like i told him about it and he's like yeah don't don't use that don't for the mower that. that's hilarious <laughs> that's for the sand rails and um but i uh, i learned a couple of really key things from him one was that once i gained his trust you know he really he just like that was a really like what a cool dude he helped me a ton he paid me what i felt was really good money at the time i was probably your age when i started maybe a little older 13 or 14 but and then um he just you know he had cool things he was um you know successful and and i liked that he had a nice home big old yard he had this super cool irish setter dog that he had trained to catch a Frisbee. And my, literally my entire life, I wanted a dog that could run and catch a Frisbee. And then during the pandemic, we got Blue, Blue. our black lab. And it's funny, cause as a lab, most labs love 
balls mm-hmm. and blue could care less about balls but you chuck a disc and a he frisbee. will run after that thing he like loves he loves it and he Chase can catch it, it big flying leap when he's in good shape awesome. during the winter he gets a little lazy but yeah man it's so fun I, it's like a fulfillment i always like i want a dog like that because i would right. stand in that backyard for like just 20 minutes and it was so long that i could just really haul off on them and make them go far and that dog would go chase them and man it was super cool that's fun that's so. cool. Well, one thing that I wanted to kind of talk about, Gray's been doing a push-up. Well, I guess both of you have been doing a push-up yeah. challenge. Gray's been getting strong. Like every yeah. time I grab his shoulder, I'm like, holy crap. Yeah, he's dude, he's built getting like, like a rock. He's like a freaking <laughs> brick house, like just freaking <laughs> solid. And he's been doing like, he told me the other day he did like 200 in a day. He just did some yeah. extra just for fun. Yep. And he's uh, he's getting strong. Like you can see it in his shoulders and his chest. He's yeah. thickening out. Getting strong. So I came across this challenge. It was for St. Jude's, raising some money for St. Jude's, and and it's a hundred push-up a day challenge where uh, every day you commit to doing at least one hundred push-ups throughout the day. Not necessarily in a row, because I, you know, I couldn't do a hundred push-ups in a row even now, um, even after doing it for a month. My my max right now is seventy-five that I can do in a row, and by the time I get to seventy-five, my arms are shaking and I'm pretty, you know, pretty shaky, but. How many have you done in a row now? I think 50. 50 is your 50. max. That's pretty killer. Now, I was working out before we started, so I was in at least push-up shape. I could do push-ups, oh, right. you know. I sure. me too. But I Were you working out before? 25. Okay. You were doing 25 a day mm-hmm. when you worked out, yeah. Yeah. And so it's been a good challenge, and it's interesting. Your body does change just doing yeah. push-ups. <clears throat> quickly too you'd yeah. be surprised how it only takes like a week or two for yeah. your body to you start seeing it at your age it takes well, longer for yeah. me but <laughs> you're, old. you're old that's different that's different but gray is literally like become just so hard Strong. and solid yeah from doing this and we're both going to continue doing it after january is over so yeah we're going to keep doing our push-ups but how has it been what have you thought about it like going through it i mean it's kind of cool that you've taken the you know like decided oh i'm you know i'm gonna do 100 more today like i think that's cool but like what has been like the mindset through throughout the month that you've been doing this challenge like has anything changed or well i feel like at the start i could barely do 25 in a row and then it just started i just kept pushing and pushing like every day you just got to push your limit push to your max and then that's when you're gonna see the most change and we were talking the other day like you noticed like you're like when you're pushing your body weight up, it feels lighter once you start getting stronger. It's kind of cool how you've noticed that too. But yeah, it's just like pushing your, pushing yourself to that limit every day. I think that's a valuable, you know, yeah. thing even in business is just pushing yourself every single day to the limit. You, what you think the limit is, because mm-hmm. your limit is a mm-hmm. lot more than you think. Like they like talk in about sales, that. you have to push every day and get your max sales exactly. or more. Exactly. Well, and, you know, I think a lot of times people will limit themselves to what they think their max is because yeah. they, they get comfortable and they don't push to that uncomfortable zone, which is like, you know, you get to your 40th push up and you're like, oh, I'm shaking. I'm so tired. But you squeeze out five more or you do an extra set yeah. after or you do more no matter what. You know, every single day you're trying to do more and more and more. And as you get stronger, it might not be 100 push ups a day. It might be 200. You know, that might become your new normal. But that's kind of cool. There's like a lesson that. in having that goal, though, right? You said, okay, I'm going to do 100. And my very first sales job, 
I had to do phone time where you'd sit down at the phone and you dial your leads, right? And if you didn't dial your leads, you didn't have appointments. If you don't have appointments, you don't make sales. So I would sometimes get frustrated or, or nervous or whatever. You know, we've talked about fears before. That was one as I would just freak out and I have to have this mantra I could tell myself to get myself to do the phone calls. But one of the one of the things in sales that you can control, you can't always control your closing percentage. You can get better at it and improve it, but you can't always control that. You can control the activity you make, right? So you can say, all right, I'm going to make 100 phone calls today, or I'm going to make 200 phone calls today, or I'm going to make 100 door knocks, you know, Kobe yeah. and I both done door to door sales. So you can say, I'm going to do this. This is my goal. I'm going to go after that goal. And that's something you can control. And I've used that throughout my sales career and I use it in working out and it does. So just having that goal has made you and I push ourselves. I wasn't doing a hundred pushups a day. You know, I was probably at least at the gym, I'd probably do 12 in my warm up, 12 to 25. Um, and then sometimes up to like just yesterday, I did 90 during the course of the workout, but like that, is work out with a trainer. And so, um, will sometimes has pushups as part of our workout. Right. So, sure. but it wasn't consistent. And so, um, I think having that goal to make sure, and sometimes I, it's cold here right now. And so I get ready for bed and I jump into bed, put all my covers on. And then I'm like, Oh, I, oh, I, I got to done my pushups. I'm all warm. I got to get good up. news is though, when you do pushups, you get warm really yeah, fast. You get warm quick. You know, one of the things that I, I talked to your mom about this is it is kind of interesting and you'll have to see as I'll set a goal when I when I get down to do my first set, I'm like, all right, I got to do 50. Now it's 50. When I first started, it was like 30, you know. But um, I have this funny thing I do, and everybody has these internal voices, right, and these internal monologues that we have with ourselves. But this one, you guys will have to see if this helps you. But one of the things that I'll do is I'll say, okay, I'll set my goal. Let's say I'm going to try and get to 30. And so I'll start going and I count. I constantly count everything I'm doing. I'm always counting repetitions of whatever. So I'll get to 10 and I'll say in my mind, I'm a third of the way there. And then I get to 15 and I'm like, I'm already halfway done. And then I get to 20 and I'm like, I only have 10 left. Instead of I'm at 20, I go 19. I only have 10 left in my head. And then I'll say, okay, I only have five left. I can do more than that mm -hmm. when I get to 25 and then I'll get to 25 and I'll be like, I bet I can do 10 more. So I don't ever overcommit at the very beginning, but then I start pushing myself during to get up to that. So when I did 75 the other day, I was, I set a goal for 50, but I got to 40 and I'll start talking to myself and I'm like, you're doing good at 40. Like 50 is easy. Like I'm at 40 and I'm feeling good. Right. And I right. keep counting. And so then I'm like, all right. I'm going beyond 50. So then I got to 50 and I'm like, let's do 10 more. And yeah. then I did 60 and I was like, let's do 10 more. And then I got to 70 and I was really shaking and I was like, okay, let's do five more. And I just kept going. And, and honestly, there's more in us than we probably realize. So I probably could have even pushed further. And yeah. my goal is by the 31st to try and do a hundred pushups in a row if I can. Um, That's sweet. I'm going to go till failure. I'm sure. going to go till my arms give out. I actually yeah, just drop. Yeah. When I was, I served as a missionary in the Philippines um, for our church and I set a goal on my hump day. It was a two year uh, mission. You commit to going for two years. So my hump day one year, I was like, I'm going to do a hundred pushups in a row. I was, you know, a 20 year old kid and um, I attempted it. And so I would do pushups every day. I didn't have 
I should have been doing a hundred pushups a day, but just in, you know, but I would just, just do as sense. many as I could and then try to push through it. And so my hundredth day came and I got to a 97. So I'm doing pushups and I would do them on my, I had this, um, wood frame bed with a little foam mattress. So I'd pull the mattress off and I'd just do them on the wood. Cause I didn't like the ground. It was kind of dirty. Yeah. And so I would just do them on this bed. And I just remember getting to 97 and full failure. And I, yeah. I was like pushing up on 97, shaking, shaking so bad. And then wham, and I fell down onto the bed, the bed frame and just like smacked into it. And I laid That's there for, awesome. and I was so mad because I was like, I only had three left. Like, yeah. and then I just did the three more when I could. And That's anyway, funny. but that was my first experience with a hundred pushups, but yeah, so hopefully like, we can do it. That's funny. Huh. We only got it like you guys got it. five days it. left. It's kind of funny. It reminds me of a story. I was uh, at the lake with my friends one time, and one of my buddies, he was just kind of being a jerk, like just kind of, you know, jabbing at me a little bit. And <laughs> yeah. He's like, everybody here has abs except for Kobe. And I was like, I was like, screw <laughs> you, dude. I'm way stronger than you. And I've done push-ups since right about your age. Like I started doing push-ups every single day. So I've done push-ups and sit-ups my whole life. Yeah. And so I was like, I was like, whatever, dude, I'm stronger than you. I was like, let's do a push-up challenge right now. And it's the challenge where you do, it's two people and you can, you can't touch the ground at all in the, in the challenge. You have to stay in push-up form. Stay but, in plank basically. Yeah, but I do one push-up, you do one push-up, I do two, you do two, all the way up to 10 and then back down and it's a hundred push-ups exactly. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, I don't care if you have abs. I was like, I'll beat you in this right now. I bet you can't do a hundred push-ups with me. And he gave up at like 60 and I just kept pushing. And I think it was like, it motivated me because I was yeah. like, screw you. <laughs> so I did it. I finished and I collapsed on the ground. I did the same thing. Collapsed yeah. on the ground. Like couldn't even, just shaking so hard. But I did 100 and wow. I, I felt good about myself. After. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't care about your stupid abs, man. I freaking do 100 pushups right here. We but all have abs. Some of us just cover it in just a protective sheathing, you know, sheathing of yeah, mine are protected, <laughs> very well protected. So Gray, what is, what's a lesson, like a business lesson or business idea that you have heard around the house that you really like or that um, you're interested in? I don't know. <laughs> you know. I mean, you just went to one of my classes. I teach some classes here locally. You went to one yesterday. What's something you picked up out of that? Do you remember it? It was only a day ago. <laughs> Less than a day because it well, was yesterday afternoon. It was like 12 hours ago. Well, I mean, you were talking about like putting yourself out there, mm-hmm. having everyone know your story and and having everyone choose you instead of your competitors. Yeah. How do you do that? We talked about it yesterday. It's okay if you don't remember. I just... Well, like having your story out there and having them know you instead of them, like having them be like oh well i can trust you more than i can trust this competitor yeah it's kind of like tying your story into your business right so that people know you and that's why they choose you Mm -hmm. right yeah Yeah. and the story you know it gives that identity to the business right that unique identity because if you're a plumber for example and you're like yeah i i clean drains well, so does every other plumber. So does everybody else. And I, and I show up on time. Well, that's like a minimum standard, right? right. Like that shouldn't be. Uh, unfortunately, it probably is an identifier today if you, you really do, but it, it shouldn't be, right? It's like a minimum standard. So tell me, you know, um, do you remember the story that I told about, about the bakery? About the bakery, mm-hmm. yeah. She, she had really good, like she was a really good 
cook, but she, no one else knew her because she just had her customers that came over because they knew they had stopped by her once and they loved it. But mm-hmm. all of her competitors are bigger and more out there, and so she started to post on Instagram and stuff, and she told her story about her and her grandma and how that, and it just helped because she put her story out everywhere on it her became walls. more personal. Uh-huh. And, mm-hmm. So everyone knew her for that. Yeah. Right. And the thing that I kind of took from that story too was that she wasn't afraid to repeat herself. Yeah. She told her story every single time somebody came into her shop and then people fell in love with that story. They'd hear it every single time and, and they'd they come would tell in, it. They'd, and they tell it, and they tell it to their friends, and then their friends are like, "Oh, we should go to this bakery. Like, it's really cool." She tells you right. a little story as she's, you know, serving up your cinnamon roll or whatever yeah. it is, you know. And the cinnamon roll is better when there's a story behind right. it. When it's like, "Oh, this is her grandma's recipe. Her grandma was awesome. These cinnamon rolls are amazing. Whatever, you know." But she wasn't afraid to tell every single time. Well, so. when you think about a bakery, right, and you get it, someone refers you, and they're like, "You got to go check out these cinnamon rolls. They're great." Yeah. You're like, "Oh, cool." In one ear, out the other, right. right? When someone says, there's the cutest little bakery, it's right over here in North Ogden, and the gal who owns it, she's so sweet, and she tells the story of how her and her grandma developed this recipe for cinnamon rolls, and the way they do it is so cool, and they are so good. Which one are you more likely to go check out? The really good cinnamon roll, or the one or whose the grandma and her figured and, it out? Yeah. Like It just has that differentiation. So anything you're marketing, you want to come up with what your unique identifiers are. What are the things that people Who's are... Who's your who? Say, say more about that. Well, like you just have to find the person that you're trying to market to. And like right. trying to... Because you're going to get more sales out of that person than you are out of a random person walking across the Yeah, so a lot of times in... in uh, in my business, in the marketing business, we'll we'll talk to someone and I'll say, "Who's your I- ideal audience?" They're like, "Oh, well, any a plumber will say anybody with a toilet," and I'm like, right. "It's not anybody with a toilet. No. There's a specific group that's going to identify with you and your politics and your personal desires and your you know hobbies, hobbies interests, and, and all that stuff." Yeah, and so you're way better off finding a what in marketing they call it a minimum viable audience. It's the smallest, but big enough to still have a business, but the smallest group that can you can identify with on a special level. So one of the things that we did with um, RoofMax is we bought a classic car. Yep. Because we knew, because it was a franchise, we knew talking to the franchise that there was an ideal audience, which was men age 55 plus that are maintenance-minded. They like classic cars. There were several other things, but we're like, ooh, classic cars. So we bought this 72 Chevy. We use it in our advertisements drive it around and people recognize it because it's unique. But that group of people are really one of our ideal. They're not the only one, but they're one of them. And so part of our story is we like classic cars too. And so we identify with them. We go to car shows from time to time and we meet people and you just develop these relationships over time. So knowing your who, and then I, and then the next step is what? Knowing your who's why. Exactly. Which is what? Do you remember? Like why they're buying your product. Versus someone else. Yeah. Yeah. You told a story about like Nike and Hyatt. Uh, and Hyatt. Like yeah. you would know ex- if Nike made a hotel, you would know exactly what it would be. Like sportsy. And, yeah. And But Hyatt, if they made a shoe, you would have no clue what it would be like. Yeah. 
it'd be boring. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, boring can you even think what the Hyatt logo is? You don't even, nobody knows, right? Uh-huh. I'm sure we could look it up and you could see what it looks like, but we know what the Nike logo is. Right. Yeah. Those it's are good cool. lessons. Yeah. It's a powerful story. Yeah. Pretty cool. That came from Seth Godin. Um, he wrote the book, um, This is Marketing. And he, uh, so you have two probably the primary authors and speakers in the marketing world right now are Seth Godin and Simon Sinek. And Simon always, his book is Start With Why. And I love that book, by the way. If you haven't read it, it's highly recommended. But he says, start with why. And I was like, yeah, start with why as long as you know who your who is. Right. <laughs> but Seth Godin really focuses on the minimum viable audience, right? That's his terminology is like focusing on getting your who identified. Um, I did a lot of Dan Kennedy studying growing, you know, growing up in my marketing career. And I loved Dan Kennedy's newsletter. I got his his inner circle newsletter to all these things and learned a ton from him. But he talked about target audiences as well and niching, how important niching is and knowing who you're talking to first. And so it's super important. And most businesses don't realize that if they were, you know, if you're a graphic designer, I mean, graphic design could include so many things, right? I have four or five that work for me. They create ads, they design our magazines. Well, you know, you also have graphic designers that only do logos. You have graphic designers who do packaging. You have graphic designers who do billboards. You have graphic designers who do web development, the, the look and feel of a website. All of those are niches. And if you're doing websites, that's great. But what if you were very specifically extremely good at doing lawyer websites and lawyer logos? Like you knew all of the ins and outs of the psychological ramifications of a logo for an attorney to help them get better response, right? Now you know exactly who you're talking to and you can speak their language. Um, I was talking to a friend last night who sold curriculum to schools and we were talking about the lingo of the education world. And I have another friend, Micah, who I'm working with right now. And he's in that world and he's talking that same language. I'm like, you guys sound like each other, you know, and I I have no idea what you're talking about half the time. But um, but knowing your niche, knowing exactly who you're talking to and why they would choose you over your competition. And that should be because of your special skill set. So. So um, one thing that me and Gray have kind of talked about before, it's been a while since we talked about it, but I know you've been obviously you've are in the world of gaming, you like watching gaming videos and, you know, anything, you know, just all things like that. And you've talked about starting your own YouTube channel. So these are all things and like a framework for how you would want to build that out, right? You want to find something unique that is, you know, tailored to you. That's like part of your story also, but you want to find your unique value, right? That, that is going to bring your, your audience in. Um, can you think of any things along those lines? Like if you were to do a YouTube channel for rocket league, like you could do something silly, you knew, you know, do something funny. Does anything come to mind? Not no, really. Not really. But Have you still, do you still feel like you would want to do something like that? Like a YouTube channel or yeah. yeah. What would you do? Like what would kind so of be your yesterday? Content? Here's something to think about yesterday. We, we were with uh, a group in the class that I taught. One of them was a loan officer. There's a there's tons of mortgage people in the world, right? They're just it's a high competition market. Well, she identifies uniquely with people by her website is loanscanbefun.com or something like that. She has pink hair and she drives a bright pink SUV thing around. Like she very much stands out. So sometimes it's something simple like that where you can you could just dye your hair pink. <laughs> yeah, I think you should do that. I think you should dye it pink. <laughs> 
No, but I think like you know, you take something that that you love, something that is like really cool, that like a skill of yours. Like you can solve a Rubik's cube in like thirty seconds. Like that's freaking insane. Maybe you put tie in Rubik's cube or something. You know, in between shots, you have to solve a Rubik's cube as fast as you can. Whoever solves it first. Then you get to try and score in Rocket League, you know, just like kind of little ideas like that where it's something unique to you. Like what are – can do any of those things come to mind? Like what are some of your unique talents, some of your unique things that you like? There, there's a TikTok video right now of a guy kind of dancing, and he solves a Rubik's Cube, and he has like a heartthrob across the TikTok world. Like they – all the girls are so – they're like, this is the ideal man. Cause he, and it's funny because he's just kind of an average dude, you know, and I mean, he's good. I'm sure he's good looking. I don't know, but yeah. he just – he stands there, and he kind of – he dances and he's doing moves and then he goes and he solves this Rubik's cube and he holds it up and then for some reason that like people were like, blows Whoa, up. that guy. Like, Whoa. So maybe That's you awesome. should throw that in there. Throw Rubik's cube's kind of hot right now. Right. So start your own challenge or something. Gray's actually been learning how to teach because he got, he, everybody when he was in elementary, why don't you tell a story about it? everybody wanting you to help him? Well, like all of the girls and some of the boys all got into Rubik's Cubes. I kind of started something in my school, and everyone would, like, accidentally mix up their cubes, trying to do some patterns, and then they'd come asking me to fix it every single day. All of them had crappy cubes, so it sucked to solve it, but... So it's always kind of annoying, but... He likes the cubes that move really easily. Just He likes the premium stuff. He's a spelt. It just runs in the pan. I don't know. They all have, like, Rubik knob. Company, though. <laughs> like, at least have a mid-grade one. Right. <laughs> mine was, like, 14 bucks then, and it was still better than theirs. Right. I mean, now I have a $30, $40 cube, but... Right. I think... I thought it was cool, especially when he was first, you know, kind of figuring it out. I learned how to solve a Rubik's Cube when I was probably right around the same Close age it, yeah. i just got obsessed with it and i was like i want to learn how to do this so i was watching youtube videos it took forever but he has that same thing that i have i think it's also just a spelt thing but we're hyper obsessive about things a mania like a, <laughs> like a literal mania like you just i just go manic for a little while and he would he want to learn obsessive so compulsive almost right but at the time i was living in florida still when i was yeah. doing door to door and so mom kept texting me and she's like gray wants to learn this so bad you have to help him like he's trying to figure it out and he just kind of keeps getting stuck and so we were on facetime calls i was drawing out diagrams and sending it to him but once he figured it out it just clicked and then he i mean now he's i mean he's done it thousands and thousands yeah. and thousands of times but he's what's your fastest time 34 How, seconds 34 seconds that's pretty freaking insane yeah like a rubik's cube it's awesome it's, it's it's crazy. It, it's a lot of steps, like a lot of moves, and I've sometimes it's it. quicker. But it's wild. It's tricky. But then he became. He started getting frustrated because he would be like, "Why don't they want to learn it? Why don't they?" And you find this him actually in your professional career too. You're like, "Aren't we all trying to do like? Why won't people learn marketing? Why won't people learn sales? You know those right. kinds of things." But truthfully, it can be one of those things that sets you apart from the crowd is learning unique skills that people don't have. But the thing that I got from you, which I think is really powerful, is he started wanting, people would say, well, they want to learn, but he'd try to explain it, but it was so confusing to them, they would give up. And it frustrated him because he's like, I want my best friend, Everett, to learn how to do this. I want, you know, my teammates on the volleyball team, I want them to learn how to do that. And so he, um, he 
started working on the skill of then teaching it. He had the skill of doing it. And it's interesting because in my industry, I, I am in marketing now, but my most of my career was in sales. And in the sales industry, often the best salespeople were the worst managers because they didn't know how to teach what they did. Sometimes they had a natural proclivity or skill towards it, but they were terrible teachers, impatient because people couldn't do it the way they did it. Right. And so I think that's pretty powerful. So talk about what you've learned in learning to teach it and, and make it so people could stay with you because it is challenging. And you have taught some people how to do it, which is pretty neat. Well, like, I see it differently. I see it as, well, I have to set this up. Like, and I can see what a certain move is going to place certain stuff in. But as a starter, you're not going to see that. Like, so I have to start with just saying colors and, like, really hyper doing stuff. So I'll have them start with the first, like, you start with a little cross shape and I'll have them solve that like hundreds of times. And then, then you can start solving the first square and then have them do that a bunch of times. And then you solve the first row. Like you just have to take it really slow compared to being really fast. Cause my mind's going to work to it faster than theirs. And they're not going to see it as, Oh, well this piece goes here they're not going to see it like that at all. Right. Yeah. And at first it, like, it's a lot of information when you're teaching somebody because it's algorithms, like people mm-hmm. and like my brain's like this and I'm assuming yours is just like it because you took to it really quickly and you're better than I am at it, like way better. But it's like all these like patterns and, and like movements and there's like an algorithm and it's like eight to 15 moves to get all your pieces in the right place. And so to somebody that doesn't know, they just see all these numbers and movements and colors. So it's cool that you like break it down to the colors and you're like, this is the first step. Yeah. You need to master this first or else you're going to get so confused on well, the other Well, what ones. I have them do is I have them pick a color that they first want to solve. So I'm like, pick your favorite color. I started with green yeah. just because you, you solve it with that. But I'm like, start with your favorite color. Yep. which is most of the time blue or something like that. Whatever so it is. I'm like, just pick your favorite color because that's probably what you're going to remember the most. And then drill that into your mind that that's the first thing you start with. And pick that side, go to that side, and then start figuring out certain stuff. Like right. how I say it, I'm like, okay, so you see how this is like a red and blue piece? Well, you've got to match that. You've got to match it to the blue and match it to the red. Right. But but if you've ever used the cube, the very center piece is fixed, right? So the center piece is the blue. That's the that's blue side. Always the blue side. And the green is green, and the white is white. Like right. they're just that's a fixed piece. Everything else moves around those. Yep. It's all the edge pieces that spin around and, and yeah. move. But well, we were driving uh, with Gray and a teammate of his from his volleyball team, and his teammate was like, "Man, I wish you could show me how to do that." And so. On the drive, Gray would create situations on the cube. And he's done it thousands of times to the point where he is really pretty amazing at it. Um, we should have brought it in here so he could show right. it on video because it's it's incredible to watch. Should I run and grab it real fast? Yeah, go for yeah, it. I'll go it's grab in my one. room. It's, it's in just, your room. It's just right there. Okay, I'll go grab it. I'll be back. So he, w- he sat there teaching this uh, young man how to do it. And it was cool because he would create these little things and he'd be like, okay, 
you're going to do this move, this move, and this move to get this green piece into position. Or like I would make certain things and say like bring the elevator down or something. Right. Little little sayings. Yeah. And it was about an hour drive, I would say. And at the end of that hour, it actually, um, he solved his first cube, which was really cool. And it wasn't a full solve, but uh-huh. he had done all the steps. And he, he couldn't do it after, but then the next ride, he we started drilling it into his mind, and he could, he started being able to solve like the first row and yeah. the second row. Yeah, he has those basics, and if he if he's like us, where he gets a little crazy and starts, you know, obsessing, <laughs> obsessing over it and just doing it hundreds of times, he'll figure it out. And the thing that was interesting about Gray is a lot of times when things get too hard. A lot of us um, will give up, right? Like, I, I definitely know when things get hard, sometimes you're like, this isn't worth it. I'm not going to do it anymore. But Greg stuck with it despite it taking months for you to figure this thing out. And you watch YouTube videos and you're like, yeah, but that doesn't apply to the thing I'm seeing on mine, you know, either. So trying to see it's showing up in this one there. So that'll, that'll work. Yep. And Sorry I've got like five minutes left, so. Yep, so we gotta go quick. Okay, it's barely in that one, but I'm kind of mixing it up a little bit. I'm gonna get this, so hopefully this is a good one where you get it really fast. It'd be cool if you made a like PR <laughs> or something. Your so record. I'm just mixing it up. Just he's randomly. stretching. He's PR cracking his knuckles. He's cracking his fingers, getting him warmed up. Personal record is PR. You gotta have little finger really? warmers. Really? I had no idea. Just kidding. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably pretty good. So, I'm gonna put this here. You have a second to look at it if you want. You can kind of look at it, and then I will give you a, a countdown: three, two, one. And then when you're done, if you just want to like pat the table right or something, here so it can be on. So we can kind of video. You can't really it's on see that it on one. this one, but it's fine. Are you ready? Okay, three, two, one, go. So close. Done. 43. 43 seconds. Pretty Holy amazing. cow. That was pretty insane. He, he pretty consistently lands in the 40s. Every once yeah. in a while he'll get in the 30s. When he practices a lot, he gets in the 30s more. But that was it's pretty did amazing. The, did you show the cube? It's okay. It's yeah. all solved. Just he'll, so he'll people sit know it's real. And play with it for, you know, on a drive or something, and he mixes it up and then fixes it. Mix it up right. and fixes it. He, it's just it's pretty cool. But if you apply that to any pursuit you want in your life, that desire and then repetition, you'll find success in life. It's pretty cool. But then on top of that, you know, desire and repetition is good, but then it's the action and it's the planning and it's the finding out all those things yeah. that we've been talking about, you know, studying you it have out, a plan. figuring you have it people out that you're targeting. So, Tired? but the repetition and the action is important <laughs> too. just doing it over and over again. Well, you got any last thoughts for the listeners? Not really. Any Not words really. of wisdom from a from a twelve year old? Twelve year old, <laughs> super sharp twelve year old. Not really. Nothing. What do you think about being on the podcast? It's kind of 
weird. I don't know. It's kind of <laughs> weird talking into a mic and hearing your own voice and mm-hmm. stuff. But you did pretty good. It's a little nervous at first, like nerve wracking. But then once you get talking, it's just a conversation. You know. Here's what I think we should do. We should bring you back in a, you know a few weeks down the road. But yeah. have you make a business plan and bring it to Kobe and I to review and talk about and think about the marketing and the who and the why and all of that stuff. That sound good. So I want you to think of what one of the businesses you're ready to pursue. It doesn't matter which one it is. You have lots of ideas. So think of one that you're like, you know what? Let's start going after it. Could be lawns, could be your YouTube channel, could be anything. And uh, let's let's bring it back. We'll work on the the business plan and then and uh, we'll talk about it. And we'll just keep coming back and updating as we go. Sound good? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, cool. Well, thanks for tuning in everybody. Um whatever, you know, platform you're listening on, if you could just drop a like for us or subscribe, it really just helps push it out to people who like the same kind of content and haven't heard the podcast anymore. So if you just take two seconds, just click that little button. It takes mm-hmm. two seconds. Just do it. Just hit it, <laughs> hit it for us. So um, this Work. is the Family Business Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Awesome. Awesome.